Thank you for tuning in to Church on the Rock podcast. We have a great sermon in store for you. We hope this message challenges you, builds you, and motivates you into taking the next step in your purpose with God. Enjoy the sermon. If you could uh, turn with me to um, John twenty-one fifteen, he wanted uh, to continue honor, so I thought of no, not you know what better passage to loving Jesus than John twenty-one fifteen. So uh, um, we'll start there, and I'll be reading from the uh, New King James Version. And those of you that can get a prayer through. We're still believing for the Titans today. Um, it's the wild card. Uh, we're trying to get the wild card. So uh, if, you, if you can get, help us out here, and all the believers come together in Nashville. So, uh, and when you're there, say amen. amen. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, of, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend to my sheep. He said once more a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know all these things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you are younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. He spoke signifying what kind of death Peter would, would, uh, would have. And when he finished, he speaking to him, he said, follow me. Amen. So we're, we're talking about loving Jesus today. Amen. Amen. You know, I got three kids, you know, I keep them because I love them, you know. You know, it, it's different, you know, when you, uh, um, you know, you, you get from one child, two children to three children. You know, when you get one child, you know, you go all out, baby shower, nine yards, you know, it's, it's the whole, it's the whole thing. And then baby comes and you, from the hospital, you put him in the back. We had Manny in the back. We were going 15 miles an hour. He was in a brand new car seat. We get to the house, we, you know, we pull up, and he goes to sleep. We put him in this brand new crib. His, his room was decked out, brand new crib, and we slept on the floor with him, you know. And when you got one kid, you know, people beg to watch your child. Let, let me hold him. Let me, let me watch him. Let me watch him. And then you get two, and then two comes around, and two, we find out we're having two. We're like, you know, it's two of them. You know, we've got a family now. You know, it's two, you know. You know, I'm, I'm excited, you know, and then Millie comes. We go a little faster, maybe about 40 miles an hour on the interstate, you know. You know, baby shower, you know, we're just like, hey, just get us some diapers. That's all we need, you know. We got it down packed this time, and, and you know, we don't, we, don't, we don't sleep in a room this time. We just put her in the crib. You know, when you got two children, you know, no one, no one really asks you to watch your kids no more, but, but if you ask them, they're like, of course, of course, yeah, I'll watch them. It shouldn't be that bad. When we found out we was having a third child, the game kind of changed a little bit. You know, when Manny we was like, yes, 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 yes. Millie were like, okay, okay, okay. We, we found out we were having a third child. It was like, I thought you took, I thought she was on birth control. When, how, how what, what, are you, what are you talking about? When, when Aiden came, I'm talking about, it was like, the baby shower was like two days before Aiden was born. We was like, all we need is diapers. Diapers, nothing else. Aiden slept in his crib all by himself. We, he, he was probably, I don't know if we put him, even put him in the car seat. We just zoomed to the, <laughs> to the house. We were like, but, you know, people ask all the time, like, how was it with three? You're like, you're like, man, it's, it's, it's just like it sounds, you know. At one point, they were three under three. It's like, it's just like it sounds. 
you know, you know, with two, you you got one on one. With three, it's his own coverage. It's it's just, it's just you know, it's you just try to manage. And and I looked at my my youngest the other day because he he was drawing on our, on our kitchen chair, and I was like, I was like, man, I was like, only reason I I do I do this is because I love you. Only I keep, I put up with just because I love you. And I love this scripture because uh, the prerequisite for being in a relationship with Jesus is loving Him. The prerequisite for doing what he called you to do is loving him. The prerequisite for doing everything that he needs you to do in life is loving him. And it's, it's whether or not you love him or not. Amen. You know, love is the prerequisite for any relationship. If you don't love the person, it's hard to be in a relationship with that person. Imagine being married and not loving the person. I mean, yeah. Somebody say, ugh. <laughs> you know, uh, you put up with your spouse because you love them. There's stuff that you do, but you put up with it because you love them. Agnes is one of the worst people to watch movies with because she's one of the people that ask you all the time what's going to happen. She asks you all the time what's going to happen. And I got to explain to her, I've not seen this movie before. <laughs> That's the point of us watching the movie. We don't know what's going to happen. But I watch movies with her she's, more than anybody because she's my wife and I love her. Loving somebody, is, it, it, love, love is it, it's, it's the prerequisite. It's everything. Love is, loving somebody is throwing your whole self at somebody and hoping they catch you. It makes you vulnerable. Love, makes you, love, love can make you grieve. It makes you, love is it's, it's everything. It's powerful. It makes you weak. It makes you cry. It makes you fight. Love is everything. You, you fight for people you love. You, you end up in jail for somebody you love and say, I'll do it again. And Jesus is telling Peter right here, unless you love me, this ain't going to work. You have to love me. And he asks him in a three different ways. He says, number one, he says, he, he, he gives him a purpose. He says, if you love me, you'll feed my sheep. Number two, he, gives, he, shows, he tells him about the process. He says, if you love me, he tells him, you're, you're going to get persecuted. It's going to be hard, but you're going to have to love me. And number three, he says, it's about my people. I want you to take care of my people. You've got to love people if you're going to love me. Yeah. He's, he's telling Peter, do you love me? And, and the whole context of this is, is Peter, Peter has just failed Jesus. He has just failed. He's just denied Jesus three times, not once, not twice, three times. In, in John chapter 18, he, he was, you know, Peter, he had that big head. He, he thought he loved Jesus more than all the disciples. He thought he was going to be the greatest. And, and he said, they're sitting around, and, you know, and, and Jesus wanted to humble him. He said, you know what? You're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And, and Peter's like, not me, Jesus. Not me. I, I, I'm about this life. Not, not me, Jesus. I love you. Not me. Jesus is like, yes, yes, yes. And sure enough, Jesus, Jesus gets taken away. And, and, and before Peter can even think about it, they, ask, they said, Peter's with them too. He's, he's with Jesus too. And Peter's like, no, not me. He even, he even cussed and said, I don't know the blankety blank. He said, not me. Anything to say, not me. And before he knew it, the rooster crowed, and Peter was humbled immediately. He was humbled immediately. So this context is Jesus restoring Peter. He's coming back to Peter, trying to find Peter. Peter has quit the ministry. He's back on a boat where Jesus once found him. He's fishing again. He's fishing again. And he's asking Peter, and he comes back to Peter, and he's here to restore Peter. The one who was once worried about being the greatest just now wants to be back connected again. He's saying, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I'll do anything for you, Jesus. Jesus says, handing him the keys to the powerful, most powerful ministry on the face of the earth. He's saying, feed my sheep. But Peter is more concerned about proving to Jesus that he loves him. No, I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. I love you. I love you. I'll do anything for you. And Jesus is like, oh, good. Follow me. Pete, the whole 
prerequisite is that you love Jesus. So I, I want to give you three things today about loving Jesus because you have to love people, you have to love the process, and you have to love the purpose. Everything he gave Peter was about the process, the purpose, and people. It was the three P's, amen? The, the purpose, he said, he said, you know, here's Peter. Peter was once found, when Jesus found Peter, Peter was fishing. He was just a fisherman. And Jesus came, Jesus came and he, he was looking for people to change the world with, amen? And he, he, he didn't go to the synagogue. He didn't go to the church. He went outside the church and said, I'm, I'm going to find people and transform people and change the world with them. And he goes and finds Peter, amen? And Peter's fishing. Peter doesn't even know who he is. And, but Jesus looks at him and says, I know who you are. You're a fisher of men. Yeah, yeah, amen. Yeah. And, and he gives Peter a purpose. He said, Peter, you were born to, to catch men. Amen. Yeah, yeah. So when, when, he, when he comes back and restores them after Peter's quit, he's, he has to remind Peter, you were born to catch men, Peter. You were born to catch men. And, and everybody in here was born to do something. Amen. You were born to do something. We we're all born to do something. You have to love your purpose. Amen. Amen. Paul told Timothy, he said, neglect not the gift that is within you. Yeah. There's something that God calls you to do, and you have to fall in love with it. Yeah. Part of loving Jesus is loving your purpose. Amen. And being committed to it, waking up every day and thinking about it. Amen. Yeah. Loving your purpose. Um, I'm talking about my wife again. She hates me to talk about her. Yeah. <laughs> we have different movie tastes. I'm talking about watching movies. We have different, different movie tastes. I like movies where people like jump out of helicopters and you know go real fast in cars and have machine guns. She likes I call them Tyler Perry movies because you know it's not even Tyler Perry movie, but I call them Tyler Perry movies because I already know what's gonna happen. You know what I mean? I'm like she, that rich dude she's engaged to. She's gonna leave him because he keeps talking to her like she's nothing, and then she's gonna marry the grocery the guy at the grocery store because he keeps giving her flowers. And he loves it. I was like, we already know what's gonna happen, Egg. Like, Why we gotta watch it? And then. But I, I, was, I was thinking about uh, Tyler Perry because I love his testimony. Because a lot of times in life, we look at our purpose, and whenever God gives you a purpose, the, the enemy immediately wants you to feel inadequate about it. Yeah, yeah, everybody, everybody in the Bible felt inadequate about their purpose when they, first, when they first saw it because they couldn't see themselves doing that. Moses couldn't see himself going to Pharaoh and telling Pharaoh to let my people go. Right. The children of Israel immediately, it says, it says, it says when, they, when they saw the land that God gave them, and they saw the people that were on it, they said, I, we, look like, we look like grasshoppers in our sight. They immediately felt inadequate. And a lot of times in life, we, we feel inadequate about our purpose. But I love the story about Tyler Perry because he, he was saying, people ask me all the time, you know, how I, how, how I got to where I got. And he said, he said, this one, he said, he said you got to use what you got. And a lot of times we feel that like what we got is inadequate. But he said, you got to use what you got. His story his story, he had one play, and he had one play in the 90s. It was called I've Been Changed, amen? It was a church play. So I, it's called, it was called I've Been Changed. And he said, I didn't go to theater school. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I wasn't connected to big film people. I just had a play that I wanted to write. It was called I've Been Changed. He said, so I wrote the play. He said, and what I did, he said, he said if I was going to do this, I told God, if, I, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it with everything I got. So I'm going to go knock on doors. I'm going to put letters in mailboxes. I'm going I'm I'm to get, get all my money and buy an ad in the newspaper. He said, he said, I, he said, I invited probably two, 3,000 people. He said, when the play came, he said, I used all my money I had. He said, 30 people showed up. He said, I knew all 30 by name. He said, because they were my next door neighbors, my cousins. <laughs> he said, and even they fell asleep during the play. They fell asleep during my play. He said, he said, he said, I, I couldn't believe it. He said, I felt like changing the play. He said, God said, no, use what you got. Yeah. He said, so what I did, he said, 
I would do the play again, but I don't have any money. He said, so I sold everything I had, every possession that I had to have my name on it, I sold it. He said, I got $15,000, and I put it into the next play again. He said, I did the same play, and he said, maybe 100 people showed up. He said, I took the money from that road in, he said, and did the same play again. He said, 400 people showed up. Did the same thing again, 1,000 people showed up. Did the same thing again, 10,000 people showed up. He said, and finally somebody came and said, that's the greatest play I've ever seen. How would you feel about making a movie? Somebody, somebody that, that didn't like the, the play when it was 30 people, yeah. the same play now, somebody all of, sudden, all of a sudden is saying it's the greatest play I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Now he makes a movie, goes box office, box office. Now all of a sudden he's building his own studio in Atlanta, amen? Yeah. Yeah. He said, and they asked him, he said, he said, all I did was plant a seed, amen? He said, he said, it's up to God to bring the rain, but all I can do is plant the seed and use what I got. He said, all I can do is plant the seed. You can't, he said, you can't, you can't bring the rain, only he can bring the rain. It depends on when he brings the rain, amen? And a lot of times, we, we got something, but we, we feel that it's, it's inadequate. We don't feel that it's enough. We don't feel like we have enough money. We don't feel like we have the right people, amen? But you got something in your back pocket, amen? God is so faithful, he puts something in your back pocket, amen? It, it, it may not be a sword or, or brush plate like Goliath had, but it's a slingshot, amen? It may just be a cruise of oil, amen? He's so faithful, he gives you enough. He gives, it may just be a shout to bring a wall down, but God is faithful enough that he will give you something in your back pocket, amen? Use it, amen? Somebody say, use what I got. We got to learn to use what we got, amen? We got to take our purpose seriously in life. It's the only reason you're here. We're created for his workmanship, amen? He created us for his workmanship. We have to use what we got. And stop saying it's inadequate. Stop saying it's not enough. Stop saying I don't have the right people around me. Stop saying I don't have the money. Learn, learn how to work with a little bit, amen? We got to learn how to work with a little bit. The next thing is the process, amen? The process. He tells Peter, he tells him, it ain't going to be easy, Peter, but you got to fall in love with the process. If you, you got to love me, you got to love the process, amen? And I love how, how you know, out of all, you know, Peter's, Peter's the one in 1 Peter 1 in verse 7 that says he begins to compare his faith to that of gold. He says, your faith is more precious than gold. And says they both got to go through the fire. Wow. He said, he said, gold, it's, it's just a substance, but it, it's not, it doesn't turn into gold until it goes through the fire. He said, My, your faith has to go through the fire. When it's tested and it, it, it wins, it's more precious than gold. It's called the process. Amen. We got to learn how to, how to love the process. We got to learn how to love it, amen. And, you know, the process, it's designed that you get to learn who you are and who God is, amen. There's something about watching the Red Sea open up that you get to learn who, who God is, amen. There's something about being in the lion's den where you get to know who God is, amen. It's, it, it's the process where we get to learn about ourselves and learn who God is. And uh, the, the number one way of, of winning in the process, amen, is having a confession. It's the number, way, number one way of winning. When God called Moses, Moses didn't believe he could do it, amen. He didn't believe that he could go to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He said, I stutter when I speak. I'm inadequate. And, and God said, you know what? I'm, I'm going to give you a man named Aaron, amen, that's going to go with you. And um, Moses, he told Moses, the confession. He said, because Moses didn't know what he was going to do, but he said, this is the confession. He said, be ye strong and courageous. Amen. And remember that I'm with you and I won't leave you. That's the confession. 
Be ye strong and courageous and remember that I'm with you and I will not leave you. That's what Moses stood on the whole journey. When it came time for Moses to pass the baton to Joshua, the only advice he gave Joshua was one thing. Be ye strong and courageous and remember the Lord your God is with you and he won't leave you. And Joshua's probably thinking about why he's, tell, why he's telling me this. Well, Moses, well, Joshua figures out sooner than later because he starts finding, running into battles and getting surrounded by different, by different enemies. And he, and he looks at his men and he says, I, I remember the confession now. He tells his men, be ye strong and courageous and remember that the Lord your God is with you and will not leave you. That was the confession that caused the children of Israel to go to the promised land. If you read the book of Joshua, the most overused phrase in that book is be ye strong and courageous. It was the, it was the confession that took them to the promised land. What is your confession, amen? What do you wake up every day and say about yourself, amen? Too many times we wait for something to happen to us before we start speaking. We wait for something to happen first. We wait for the bank account to go in negative before we start saying, I got more than enough. We wait for our leg to start hurting before we start saying, I'm healed. You can't build something in the middle of a storm. You know, we'll be in the church. They don't build during bad weather. They put up during good weather. But the whole time they're building, they're building for bad weather. They're putting steel together and concrete and stuff that's going to stand when the storm comes. Oh, I had a friend of mine. He was, he was, a, he, he was a contractor, and, uh, and, and he, was, he was building his house and building like 10 different houses. He said, I got greedy and was focused on the 10 different houses because it, it was money in that. He said, it was in 2010, he said, I finished all, that, all those houses. He said, and then the flood came and wiped my house out. He said, I don't have a house today because I was building other people's houses. Wow. When the storm came to my house, there was no foundation because I was trying to build in the middle of a storm and, and, and it, didn't, it, it fell. I mean, the Batman building ain't falling down when the tornado hits. It's, it's, it's still standing there. It's been through tornado after tornado. When the foundation is there, it's standing. The White House ain't falling down no time soon. The foundation is there. We got to quit trying to build in the middle of a storm and start building before the storm comes. We got to build our foundation before the storm comes. If you're going to endure any process, you have to have a confession. You have to know exactly what God said about you and say that about yourself every day. Every day. You got to wake up every day and say, I have more than enough. You got to wake up every day and say, the wicked one touches me not. Every day and say, I'm healed in my body. Every day and say, I'm favored of the Lord. You got to wake up every day and say something about yourself. I, love, I like what Bill Winston said. He said, he said, he said, your spirit is just a bag of words. It's just a bag of words. He said, the entire universe is, is sitting there waiting for you to speak. Waiting for you to speak. Go to Psalms 39, verses 1. I like this. This is the scripture he used, and I loved it. Psalms 39 and 1. He said, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a brittle while the wicked one is before me. And who is the wicked one? It's the enemy, it's the devil. He says the devil's. He said the devil's standing right in front of me. He said I'm. I'm learning to shut my mouth so that I sin not when I don't have anything good to say because he's waiting for me to speak. The enemy cannot do anything in your life until you say something. Amen. He goes in uh, chapter 46 and verse one and says, "My tongue is like a ready writer and it's writing my future." 
My tongue is like a ready, a pen of a ready writer, amen, and it's writing my future. Yeah. What if I told you that right now in your life, wherever you are, it is not the man's fault, it is not the devil's fault, it's not haters' fault. What if I said your life is an accumulation of things that you have spoken yeah. over time? Yeah. Right. What if I said that you are the prophet of your own life? Yeah. 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 When you if you're going to endure the process, you have to have a confession. That's right. That's right. That's good. What do you say about yourself? When God created the universe, he, he didn't create it with hands. He created it with words. Amen. And he said, I created you in my image, and my likeness, meaning that you're going to have to do the same thing with your own destiny. You're going to have to create it with words and what you say. When Jesus came on, came on the scene, here's God, the express image of God. He, he, doesn't pray, he doesn't pray for a sick. He speaks to the sick, amen. He tells the, the girl who's dead she's just to sleep. He's, he tells Lazarus to get out. He tells the, the lame man to stand up, amen. He speaks to things. He speaks to the fig tree. Even, even when it doesn't change immediately, he, he, he speaks to it and leaves and walks away. doesn't speak again. He speaks to it one time because he believed that he had authority to speak to things and it would change. We got to speak to our destinies, amen? Yeah. We got to have a confession concerning our process, amen? Yeah. We have to have a confession. Yeah. The next one I like is uh, people. It's my favorite part because he tells Peter each time, it's, he says, feed my lambs, feed my people, take care of my sheep, amen? Yeah. Take care of my people. Yeah. If you're going to love Jesus, you got to love people. You can't do one or the other. You can't say, I love Jesus, but people get on my nerves. Yeah. You can't have a vertical relationship and not have a horizontal relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The greatest commandment Jesus gave, he said, I give you two greatest commandments. He said, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and, and, and love, he said, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. I got to love people, amen? Yeah. We have to be lovers of people. I had a coworker of mine when I was in the police department. I'm talking about, he, he loved people. Love people. I mean... I remember one call we went to, and I, this is about four years in for me, and I already realized I don't get paid enough for this. And, and uh, we went to a call. I'm talking about it was like the worst area in Nashville, and it's a fight. It's like 30 people fighting in the street. And I, I pulled up first, and I sat on my hood of my car, you know, distance away, and I, I just folded my arms. He pulled up next to me and, uh, and said, uh, he, he's running up. He's like, let's go, let's go. I was like, where, you, where are we going? I was like, <laughs> I said, just turn your blue lights on, they'll leave. And I was like, sooner or later? He's like, no, nah, we, we got to go up there. So I'm walking, he's running. He's running up there. He, he, run, he runs in, the, in the, the dust of everything. And before I get there, he's coming back out bleeding. Like coming back out bleeding. He said, somebody cut me. I don't know who it was. Somebody cut me. I was like, that's why we, I ain't running up there with you. <laughs> a couple weeks later, a girl, uh, she... Uh, She's running from the police. She's drunk. She, she, she was driving a car, and she was, she was running from the, the, the police because she didn't want to get DUI. So she's on First Avenue, and she, she jumps um, you know, over and, and hops in the Cumberland River because she, she, she's not thinking right. So she thinks she can swim across the river. So she, sooner or later, she got, real quick, she got real sober, real quick, real sober. She realized, I can't swim across the Cumberland River in December. And so she's hanging on to a, she's hanging on to a pole saying, save me. Help me. Help, 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 help. I said, I'm calling the fire department. So <clears throat> he pulls up next to me. He's like, come on, let's go in there. Let's go in there. Uh, he's, he's, he's taking his stuff off. He's like, I'm about, to, I'm about to go on the north side. You can go on the south side, and then we can, we can meet up and, and try to grab her and pull her on. I was like, look, man, I ain't hopping in the Cumberland River for nobody unless I love you or you owe me money. Like, I'm not hopping in the Cumberland River for nobody. No. I'm like, no. Sure enough, he's like, I'm going to do it. I was like, go ahead. So I said, I'll hold the flashlight. So he went down there, 
And sure enough, brought her out, went officer of the month and everything. And I was like, man, I was like, why did you hop in the Cumberland River in December? He's like, man, he's like, he's like, who else is going to do it? I was like, man, this job needs you, man. <laughs> I was like, you ought to retire here. I said, not me. <laughs> so, but I, I realized, you know, with him, I realized, you know, with all the drama going on with police, I realized he's an extraordinary person. And too many times you're asking regular people to do an extraordinary job that only extraordinary people can do. Only a few people can do it right. Amen. And I, I said, I said, I was like, this job, this, this city needs you. They need people like you. <laughs> I'm sitting on my hood in my car watching the fight. Amen. <laughs> but, I, but Jesus is saying the same thing. He's saying, if you're going to be, if you're going to say you love me, you have to love people. You've got to love people. If you watch how Jesus loved Peter, it's an example of how we have to love people. He went and saw a man that he saw, he saw something in somebody. Amen. When's the last time you saw something in somebody? You looked at somebody and saw something in them. Jesus, that was his whole life was looking at people and trying to see something in them. He saw Peter and saw, he saw, he saw a fisher of men. And he, but, and he said, and, and he, he, he encouraged Peter to follow him. And Peter was a failure. Peter messed up his whole time with Jesus. Every time, everything Jesus asked him to do, Peter messed up doing. He couldn't keep his mouth qu- uh, shut. He, he, he couldn't do nothing right. He couldn't do nothing right. And I, I love how his name was Simon uh, before, but, 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 but because Jesus saw something in Peter, what, what did he tell him? He said, Peter, I, I'm, I'm Simon, I'm changing your name to Peter, amen, that means rock. Even though you've been a failure, unstable, inconsistent, I'm going to call you rock, something that is stable, something that is strong and a cornerstone and consistent. I see something in you. And even when Peter quit the ministry, he went back after Peter because even at his worst, he saw his best, amen. He saw something in Peter. And a lot of times in, in church, we got to think about uh, what are we doing, amen. What are we doing? Are we going to be the church or the synagogue? The synagogue, anybody that, that inconvenienced them, they threw out. Amen. They put the, they put the man possessed inside the, the cemetery, but the church had to go get him. Amen. Because the Bible says, if Jesus was, so are we. Amen. The church had to go to the cemetery to get the man that the synagogue put out. Amen. The church had to go to, the, to find the woman that was caught in adultery that the church was trying to stone. Amen. Had to stand with her and restore her. Amen. The church had to go find the people that the synagogue didn't accept. And we got to think, do we want to be the church or do we want to be the synagogue? People, you ask somebody all the time, like, why do you go to your church? They, they say, I get the word, I, you know, uh, I love the praise team. I love the children's ministries. That, that's fine and all, but it's all about what I get, amen? When you ask them what they love, they tell you what they get. They don't tell you what they do. We, got, we, have, to, we have to change our mindset and begin to realize, we, got, we have to begin to realize that, that we're supposed to be a force, Amen? We're supposed to be a force. Yeah, yeah. You put you put a church in you put the church in a location. It's supposed to be a force. Amen. I love I love the scripture where Jesus says, "Don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves together." Amen. I always took that as go to church, but it's more deeper than that. He said, "It says, don't forsake the assemblings of yourselves together." Assembling means connecting. It means taking different pieces and putting them together to make it fit. Amen. He says, "Don't forsake the connections, the spirit, the divine connections that are out there." Amen. There are divine connections in here. Amen. Don't forsake the fittings of yourselves together. You put two, you put two divine people together, something happens. Amen. When Mary ran to Elizabeth, Amen, it was two divine people, both. 
both praying for gifts, but you put them together, oh, something, something gets birthed, amen? Something gets birthed. We ought to have things get birthed in here. Dreams and visions get birthed in here, all because of divine connections, all because we fit it well together, amen? Do you love people? Do you love people, amen? We got to figure out, you got to figure that out. Do you love Peter? When, he, when Jesus told Peter, he said, do you love me? He said, feed my sheep, take care of my people. If you're going to say you love me, you have to love people. And we have to be the church, amen? I love how Isaac Petrie put it. He said, he said we're not supposed to be just sitting still. He said, he said that, scripture in, that scripture in Matthew, uh, uh, where it says, um, the gates of hell won't prevail against us. He said, he said, that's not saying that we have gates around the church and we're just sitting here waiting for the, uh, the, the enemy to come. He said, no, that means we're going to his gates. We're going out to his gates and creating a problem for him, amen? What? We're the, ones, we're the ones that are creating stuff here, amen. This ought to be a place of transformation, a place of change, amen, where you come and, and you automatically get transformed and changed, where somebody believes in you, amen. This ought to be a place where, where lives and destinies get birthed, amen. That place is called the church, the greatest institution on the face of the earth. And we, got, we have to ask ourselves, do we, want, do we want to be the church or do you want to be the synagogue, amen? The synagogue is where you just come and get, and, and get a good word and you leave and nothing changes. But the, but the church is when I leave through those doors and I'm ready to go find somebody and transform somebody and change somebody, amen? The three things, process, people, and purpose, amen? Process, amen? People and purpose. He asked, he asked Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me, Amen. Peter, do you love me? And Peter was like, yes, yes, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you. He just, he's, he's, he's hurt and trying to convince Jesus that he loves him, and Peter really does love him. I love, I love how in the, in, in the Bible, at the end of Jesus' life, we get to see who really loved him. At first, it was the people that realized what Jesus could do for them. Good or bad, it doesn't mean, it didn't mean they were a bad person, but they got to see what Jesus could do for them. The beginning of the gospels, you get to see what Jesus could do for them. You saw the woman healed, uh, uh, the woman issue of blood healed. You saw, you saw the, the, the blind man, the lepers healed. You saw Jesus turn water into wine. You saw the miracles for people. You saw Jesus doing for people, yeah. amen? Yeah. Jesus doing for people. But at the end, you saw who loved Jesus, amen? You saw who loved Jesus. Are you part of the 5,000? Are you part of the ones that love Jesus? Are you the 5,000 of the ones that love Jesus? Are you, are you Simon from Cyrene, amen, the one who looked at Jesus, who was struggling, struggling carrying a cross, bleeding and out of breath, couldn't move, and he said, I'll carry that man's cross. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are we like John that's sitting, that's sitting there with Jesus at, at his death, amen, and, and, and wishing I could pull them down from the cross, but saying, you know what, but God's will be done. The, the very least I can do is hold your mother as she watches her son die. It's about, do you love Jesus? Or are you part of the 5,000 that didn't show up none of, to none of, nothing? Amen? Mary Magdalene, who, who, who goes back to the tomb after Jesus has been buried. Amen? Because after you die, the, the ones that didn't need you, they don't care about you. But the ones who love you come back to the tomb. Amen? She goes back to the tomb just to realize that the, that the stone's been moved. Runs back to the ones who really love Jesus and tell them, hey, the, the body is gone. The, the ones who loved him got up and ran to go see, where, where did they take Jesus' body? Who took his body? That, that's the ones who loved him, but they, but they didn't know he resurrected, amen, and came back to the ones that loved him, amen, came back to the ones that loved him and appeared to the ones that loved him. And before he left, he breathed on the ones that loved him. He didn't breathe on the 5,000. He breathed on the ones that loved him, amen. When you love Jesus, those, those are the ones that he uses, amen. Do you love Jesus or are you part of the 5,000? Do you really love Jesus? 
we have to ask ourselves that, do we really love him? Do I love what he can do for me? Wow. Amen. Amen. Did you get anything today? 